so if you are a giver with the app like I am you just take your app in your hands but if you've got a real offering that's a physical offering cash or check let's take that in our hands as well because what we're doing is showing God where our hearts are and as you're preparing that let me just share with you on on Monday in our leadership meeting I shared with the leadership folks that we were a thousand dollars short to make rent this month at that point and I asked them to pray and by Thursday all of that thousand dollars had come in because of everyone's faithful tithing faithful offerings so it really does matter when we tithe God provides for us uh, all of that provision is right here in the house at the moment it's in your pockets and in your bank accounts but we're going to gather it all together so that we can steward it wisely uh, for God so we're going to declare together what we believe about finances and about how God wants to bless us so let's hold our, our apps or our offerings or our checks or whatever in our hands and let's say this together. Father, you have purposed to make all grace abound to us so that we always have all sufficiency in all things. I agree with your purposes and willingly submit to your invitation to align my finances with your plans. My financial giving will start with returning the tithe to the storehouse where you have placed me and where you feed me. In addition, I choose to be generous and give to meet the needs of others here, to sow bountifully, trusting that you will see to it that I reap bountifully. As I sow into the family you are building, with money, time and energy, I ask you to strengthen the wall of love around us and lead us as we gather others who are seeking the values you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so Kay, you're a treasure. Every time we pass the baskets, Kay's right there to help. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll pass the baskets for those who've got their offerings to put in today. And again, thank you to those of you who give online and through the app. Um, remember when we declare those things, we're asking God to gather more to us as well. I, I know we're a, a relatively select gathering this morning. There's lots of people off on different other things today. But uh, God wants to keep adding to us. And so I'm trusting, even as we gather like this, God's putting into our hearts, who does God want me to invite um, Jane and I went with Rhonda to the farmer's market in Conway yesterday and I met a couple of folks who I haven't seen in years and they were sort of like well you know this has happened and that's happened and it felt like nobody really cared you know but we're still trying to find a church family I said well come and check us out you know you'll at least find people who care <laughs> and uh, if you feel like you fit then we'd love to have you and uh, so they may well come visit at some point uh, but God is always giving us opportunities to invite others to come and join us. People who'd love to be in this sense of God's presence. I want to say thank you to Ira and Jennifer and Chad for just leading us into God's presence so beautifully this morning. And uh, we're going to... Pardon me? Your pleasure. <laughs> it's, it's great. We're going to have communion at the end today because we want to talk about connecting with God. And uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, just grab my notes here. And if you've got your Bible or you've got your phone app there, uh, why don't you turn with me to uh, Micah 6, verse 8, just for a second here. 
and we're going to start there because we're starting a series, or we started it last week, about uh, being connected, healthy, and fruitful. Uh, and that's really our, our, our heart, our goal for our church family is that every one of us will continue to be connected. And that's a two-way connection, isn't it? It's a connection this way with the Father, but it's also a connection this way with one another. And we're going to focus on that vertical connection with the Father to start us off. But we also, because we're connected, we want to be healthy. And I say this often, but it's worth saying again, if you are breathing, are you breathing? Okay, yeah. God wants to do more to make you more healthy in Him, spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever. There's always more. And uh, we always love to help people grow in spiritual health. Because as we're connected and as we're healthy, that's when we become fruitful, right? Because we're joined to the vine. And look at those beautiful grapes on that vine there. You notice it's not just one plant either. There's a whole row of them. They're all together. Uh, so we're going to talk this morning just for a little while. And I want your help with this about connecting with God. So Micah 6 verse 8 is a very well-known verse. Um, he has told you, O man, and that means human, not male man. Okay. <laughs> he has told you, O human, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Three things. Funny how those three things match up with being connected, healthy, and fruitful. Right? To walk humbly with your God is connected. It's what we're going to talk about this morning. But then to love kindness is to be healthy in all that we focus on and to do justice is to be fruitful to make a difference in the world to bring things into line with how God wants us to be and so that's what God wants of us he wants us to do what is right he wants our actions and our lives to be aligned with him that's our definition of righteousness isn't it beware if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time of thinking that righteousness is like a clipboard with an exam on it it's not, can I check all the right boxes of I did this and I didn't do that and I, you know, and I haven't done this forever. or what it, it's, That may be part of it, but the whole point of righteousness is that we're in line with God. It's alignment. It's a plumb line. The, the plumb line of righteousness. So that's what righteousness looks like. I, my life becoming increasingly aligned with God's life. And then that thing about loving kindness... It means to love in the same way as I love Jane. You know, I'm, what is it, that line from the shack? I'm especially fond of her. Aww, yeah. Right? You've all got people in your life you're especially fond of, right? And, yeah, I thought you might point to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that word love means. Yeah. God has that feeling towards you. And as you're aware of that feeling that God has toward you, you find yourself having the same feeling toward him. And then kindness is a lot more than just, forgive me, Laura and Roger, but it's a lot more than just looking after pussycats. <laughs> That's part of being kind, yes. But this is chesed. It's God's covenant 
to show goodness and love and mercy to every human being. It's much broader than just, oh, they're there. It's much bigger than that. Okay, I'm chasing squirrels here. Let me pull myself back. <laughs> the reason this is so significant is that there's a reason for all of us to be a church family together. This week, and, and some of you were aware of this because I was able to let you know ahead of time, but I'll get the video for those of you who'd like to watch it. This week, Catch the Fire Worldwide, our global family, released an updated vision statement. And I love it. Uh, if we could put it up for me, please, Nancy. This is our statement as a worldwide family, as a movement literally around the, the globe to see the nations filled with churches walking in God's love and giving it away until the whole world knows God's glory. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's what God wants, isn't it? It's not all about us. doesn't matter what flavor the churches are. We're going to do our part, but we want to see the nations filled with churches walking in God's love and giving it away. That's our heart for the church here in the Grand Strand, is that through our interaction with others, churches will be filled with God's love and give it away. This, of course, throws back to the original Toronto uh, vision statement that was always on the wall in, in the main building there. Rhonda and we remember when we were all there together. It just said that we may walk in God's love and give it away. What an inspiration. You know, if I could just live my life walking in God's love and giving it away. <laughs> just here, have some of God. <laughs> and that's what we exist for. I love it because it's so important that the world see God's glory. Or if we bring it home to here, our vision, our statement would be to see our cities, to see Myrtle Beach and Conway and Surfside and North Myrtle Beach and, and Little River and wider, wherever you're from, to see our cities filled with churches walking in God's love and giving it away until the whole of the Grand Strand knows God's glory. That's what we're here for, right? Yes. But walking in God's love requires connection. That's our beginning stage, if you like. It's our connection with the Father that enables us to do that. And that's what I wanted to focus on for a little bit this morning. You can take that down. Thank you, Nancy. Um, I'm going to get you to help me again, like we did last week a little bit. You see, sometimes my life looks like this. I feel connected to other people and to God. You know, the links in the chain are all complete. But how many of you would say, sometimes life feels more like this? Uh-huh. Something broke. <laughs> something snapped, whether in me or in you. It didn't snap in God, but <laughs> something snapped. And the connection gets broken, right? So let's talk for a moment about the foundational question. Does God want to connect with us? Okay, good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and how do we know God wants to connect with us? Because the Bible tells me so, yes. He pursues us. <laughs> you were raised in this, weren't you? <laughs> that was a Sunday school answer right there. <laughs> but it's true, you know, that this book is, 
is full of indications. Okay, he sent Jesus so that we could be connected. Any other ways that we know that God wants us to be connected with him? Holy Spirit where bears wit where's witness bears witness <laughs> yes Annette you're still alive ladies and gentlemen living proof that God wants to be connected with us <laughs> Jesus loves me this I know for Annette still sitting over there to paraphrase God wants to be connected with us, doesn't he? He wants us to be connected with him. Ask your heart, heart, are you convinced of that? Yeah. Because sometimes you'll need to remind your heart. <laughs> yeah? Next time the chain breaks, <laughs> you need to remind your heart to get linked back together again. So let's do something a little practical. What breaks the chain? What hinders my connection with God? What are some of the things that I, or we all face or battle or deal with that would hinder that sense of connection with God? Let's just list a few of them and then we'll lay on top of that what God has done to fix it. Is that okay? Sin, guilt, shame. Yep. Oh, there's a good one. Busyness. Anybody else? Oh, distractions. And there was a voice behind me that I didn't catch. My mind. Communication. That's a good one. Right, yeah, relationships are going to be the answer, but they can sometimes be the problem, can't they? Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Being lazy. Being lazy? Woo! Oh. <laughs> now we're preaching. Yep. <laughs> Didn't know you knew me that well. <laughs> Anybody else? Fear. Thank you. Yep. Fear. Oops. I'm getting too close to the bottom of the board here. I can't write straight. There are others, I'm sure. Believing the lies of our enemy. My top of the list was accusation. We have an enemy who's an accuser. He's constantly bombarding us <laughs> with lies. Yeah. Which is where a lot of this stuff comes from, isn't it? Shame comes from the lies of the enemy. Guilt, <laughs> again, where he tells you you can't be forgiven. Well, yes, I can. The cross says I can. <laughs> uh, busyness can certainly come from the lie that you've got to earn something from God. Uh, Laziness is probably the opposite of busyness, where I've given up trying to be busy and gone the other way. <laughs> um, very, Chad mentioned communication. 
Well, very often the enemy will lie to us about what someone else is trying to communicate. Won't he? He'll twist it. Especially if you're married to that person. I'm not looking at any of the married couples right now. I'm being very careful not to stare at anybody. But (laughs) doesn't he do that? He twists and he accuses and he lies. And fear is one of his major strategies, isn't it? So what are we going to do about it? What will we do about shame? Put some of Jesus' blood on it, yeah. What does shame make us do? Hide. Hide, okay. So what are we going to do about hiding? Reveal it. Walk in the light. Yes. See, I have this theory that repentance and walking in the light are the same thing. Because repentance is I've got to go in a different direction. Well, if I'm hiding, then my repentance is going to have to look like coming out from hiding and being seen and telling the truth about myself to myself and to other people. Being transparent, isn't it? What about fear? What are we going to do about fear? What's the answer for fear? Love. Thank you. First John 4, verses 18 and 19. I'll put it in my notes somewhere. Hold on. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. There's the liar again. The accuser. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But I love the last phrase. We love because he first loved us. We'll come back to love in a moment. There's another one that we didn't actually put on there that breaks the chain. That would be control. That's a very wise statement. You won't agree with control unless you have fear. It comes from the very beginning, doesn't it? Genesis 3. (laughs) Where are you? (laughs) God didn't need the answer to that question. God knew where he was. Adam needed to say the answer to that question so that Adam knew where he was. (laughs) I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Fear. Shame and control. The original threesome. The unholy trinity, if you like. That separated us from God. Somebody mentioned communication and relationships. What are we going to do about offenses like that? Because that's what they are really, isn't it? It's when we take offense, when we receive offense in communication or in relationship. What can we do about offense? Any clues? Be humble. That's a hard one. Anybody like being humble? Yeah, no, me neither. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. But it is part of the answer, for sure. Somebody else over here had something else to add on what are we going to do about offenses? Okay, apologize, yeah, which goes with being humble, I guess, doesn't it? 
Because you know what? There can't be offence unless it's two-ended. You have to bring it into the light. Yes. We're doing well here. This is great. I, I love this kind of... This is why we get together, right? Because God's got far more for us from one another. <laughs> so the thought that comes to me is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. <laughs> um, it's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Given that, how much room is there for offense? I'll come to you in just a second. If we do those things, there's no room, right? Annette. Uh huh. Is pride. <laughs> Did you all catch that? To maintain pride is really difficult. Right. Like I said to Cynthia last week, we should get you up here to preach because that's just such good wisdom. Well, it's hard to stay prideful because you have to be fake. And here's a lady who knows all about not being fake. Right? Listen to this preacher in the corner over here. Well, you have all kinds of reasons to feel prideful from before, right? I know a little bit of your history. I probably don't know all of it, but I know a little bit of your history. But what we love about you, Annette, is that you have completely turned away from that. Yeah? Like hiding behind the, the drums, you know. You're, you're out in the middle. This is who I am. Here I am. And this is what you get. And that's beautiful. You are such an example to the rest of us. Thank you. <laughs> At 83. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> You're ever going to be. There we go. So pride, just to pick up on what Annette said, pride comes from before what we were just talking about with shame, fear, and control, doesn't it? Because pride is the, the, the motivating sin of the snake. <laughs> Isaiah 14. I. What letter is in the middle of sin? Mm -hmm. I is the center of pride. And I is the center of sin. And, and the eyes have it. Yes. And he will get it. And it, all in good time. But Isaiah 14, you said in your heart, this is Satan, I, thank you, Kathy, will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And then we all know what happened, right? Yeah. Boom! 
He's gone. <laughs> so that's the answer to pride, <laughs> is to get rid of the eye. <laughs> if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Pastor's misusing scripture again. There we go. One more thing before we get away from all this nasty stuff. Learning can be a hindrance to our connection with God. I said learning. Your intellect, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. So if, well that's true. So if my learning feeds my intellect, it can actually hinder my connection with God. Now, learning itself is not wrong. It's learning without revelation. You see, information leads to education, but revelation leads to transformation. And God desires transformation, not just information. Because information feeds intellect, and intellect resists God. Which is why many of us have struggled to encounter God as an experience and not just as a mental ascent. There's a huge difference between learning and knowing. Knowing is good. Learning alone is not enough. Because knowing is knowledge that bears new life. Matthew chapter 1 verses 24 and 25 talks about Joseph, the fiancé of Mary. God tells him to marry the girl. He was going to put her away because thought, he thought she'd been unfaithful. All the evidence pointed to that except it wasn't unfaithfulness, it was God. Right? She's expecting Jesus. And it says that he didn't know her until Jesus was born. The same word that's used for knowing all the way through scripture. The Greek word is ginosko. And so it means that there is new life that comes from knowing. True knowing. Intimacy with God. Which is, brings us around to what does connecting with God really look like. So let's fill in some of the good stuff now. What does connecting with God look like? How would we characterize it? What are some of the things that we gain? Or what are some of the things that make the chain complete? I'll start out with God's love. Peace, prayer, worship, yeah. Prayer, worship, trust. I'm holding on to that other one as well because I think it's very important. It's community. Communication. Any more? Yes, inclusion. Sacrifice, Jennifer? I don't have the word 
Acceptance is huge, isn't it? Surrender. Very good. I'm about out of space. Anybody else got another one? Rest. Thank you, Rhonda. All right. So let's unpack a few of those for a few minutes and then we'll let God do some more of it. Let's start with community, which to me includes communication, inclusion, and acceptance, and to some degree, trust. Because yes. we learn trust from one another, don't we? It's caught, not taught. I've learned to trust God more from being around all of you these years. I trust the same for you, that you've learned to trust God more from being around one another. Community is essential, isn't it? Because God is community. <laughs> and if we're made in his image, then we need to be community too, don't we? Community is two words joined together. Did you see that? Com, meaning with, and unity. with unity takes work we have to show up to be united <laughs> now that's no diss on the folks who are not here for all kinds of good reasons today you know camping and trips and family and stuff but with unity takes work but it's work worth working <laughs> because it's the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace that causes the body to grow it causes us to grow into who God wants us to be we talked a moment or two ago um, about uh, what was it first John muddled my notes up here no fear in love first John 418 but 1 John 4.16 talks about love. And it says that we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. There's that same word to know again there. That God's love becomes an experience of ours. And so whenever I need to reconnect the chain of connection with God, my first step is always to stop. I love that you added rest there, Rhonda, but also it's trust. And it's part of prayer and worship and peace and surrender as well. Psalm 46 verse 10, I think most of us would be able to quote. Be still and know that I am God it's not the same Greek word because that's in the Psalms it's Hebrew word but it's the same word means the same thing <laughs> be still and know that I am God in other words 
you and I cannot work harder at knowing God. We cannot work harder at connecting with God. We can work softer at connecting with God. You can sit there right now and do nothing except be still and know that he's God. The work involved is in the being still. It's to cease striving. I don't know about you, but whenever I try to cease striving, there's a lot of, get down, shh, stop it, that goes on inside. Because whenever I lay down, it's like there's this switch in my brain. Whenever I go on tilt to lay down, Suddenly all the things I haven't done and all the things I was thinking all come flooding back. Ever happened to you? You know, my bed is a magical place where all the things I have to remember come flooding back to me in the middle of the night. No, of course not. I was, I was upright. I was vertical during the day. As soon as I'm horizontal, all of that stuff comes flooding back in. You know, It's a little bit like if you lay a bottle down and the cap's not quite on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it all comes rushing out. So the work involved is to, is to hush those things. And we all have different ways of hushing those things, but the practice of hushing them is very valuable because when you get to that place of stillness, when you get to that place of peace and surrender and trust and rest, that's when I begin to know that he's God. And you know what follows from that very often is acceptance or affirmation or approval. <laughs> my trust grows. My willingness to sacrifice increases. Because now I know that whatever I'm giving up is a lot smaller than what he's giving me. And all of that restores the link. All of that restores the connection. I love John 8 verse 42. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But remember what sort of knowing it is. It's not the sort of knowing that comes from how many verses can I memorize. Nothing wrong with memorizing. But it's from heart experience, intimate revelation of truth. That you are his precious child. That he loves you just as you are and he loves you too much to leave you as you are. All of that revelation that Jesus came specifically to restore you and me into relationship with our Father. That your relationship with the Father is just as strong as Jesus' relationship with the Father. All of those truths don't belong in here. They belong in here. And we talked about Joseph not knowing Mary. But Holy Spirit knew Mary. But it took time for the life that that created to be visible. And it's the same for us when we 
choose to be still and know that he's God. You don't get up five minutes later and all of it's just great and fine. (laughs) If you like, there's a pregnancy to God's revelation that each of us carries the truth and it leads us into that deeper connection with the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. I want to finish with this verse from Matthew 11. There's actually two verses. Matthew 11:28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what's our part? Come. His part, he gives us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For me, that's the key to connecting with God, is to recognize that if the yoke is easy, the burden is light, that's Jesus. If the yoke is heavy and doesn't fit really well, it's not. And if I listen carefully, there's usually an accuser behind the heavy yoke. (laughs) And I don't want his yoke. Because his yoke is I will, I will, I will. And it's pride and sin and all of that stuff that we talked about before. But I am not interested in this. I want this. And I believe you do too. So hopefully there's been a little nugget in there somewhere that's for you right now. And how we're going to finish this up this morning is to be still. And in your stillness, and I encourage you probably to close your eyes so that you're not distracted, but choose to receive his love again now. You may have done it already. We've been worshipping together and he's been loving us. We've been praying together before we gathered. He was loving us then. Many of you have spent time with him already this morning. But receiving his love, there's always more. So with our eyes closed and in the stillness for a moment, let's receive his love. Maybe hear his voice. As I was preparing, I felt quite strongly that some of us have had a hard experience that's kind of been sapping life from us and I believe God wants to speak to you right now about that hard experience and bring revelation new light to that hard experience to see it through his eyes in a fresh way so we're going to rest in his love for a moment and then we're going to receive communion together but let's rest in his love as I distribute the elements. So Father, we receive your love.
just in these moments of quietness. We listen for your voice. And rest in the knowledge that you are God. And that you love me. And you love us. And for those of us who have struggled recently with a sense of disconnection for whatever reason, would you shine your light now? Speak your truth now. Silence the accuser now and restore our connection with you. We choose to come to you, Jesus, and take your yoke upon us, receive your rest for our souls, and shoulder your light burden alongside you. So thank you, Father, that in your love you desire that each one of us be more deeply connected with you. And you've given us this memorial, the bread and the juice, the body and the blood, to remind us of the price you already paid, to pull down the idol of I, and to reunite us with the community that is the image of God. And so as we celebrate together, would you knit our hearts with you and with one another. Amen. If you're not by a table that's got some of the elements, just come and join with some of those who do have them, please. And just share together the bread and the juice with thanksgiving and with trust that he has more for you than you've yet experienced. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Revelation to close us out here. The angel said, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's our invitation, not just today, but every day. And it also says that the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. A new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, or crying, or pain, or any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new.
So, Father, we agree that not only is that a vision for the future, but it's a promise for the present. You're making all things new. You've cast down the accuser. You've brought us together into the bride of Christ. And you've nourished us with that reminder, that constant reminder of our inclusion in the community of God. So would you bless us, each one, today and throughout this week, not only to walk in your love, but to give it away to everyone we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm presuming you all get the email. You know that you're invited to our house for lunch and whatever this afternoon. The pool is open, the hot tub is open. Bring swimsuits if you want. Uh, there's chairs and games and fun and just sit around and chat or whatever. Just a time to get together. Uh, could you also put on your calendars September 26th to October 1st, the last week of this month? Some of you know Michael Tyler, who's the executive director for Meals on Wheels. Lovely guy. Uh, and God has really been dealing with him. <laughs> he said to me yesterday, not yesterday, the other day, Meals on Wheels is just a front. <laughs> Kingdom of God is coming through that man. <laughs> and we're not doing the standard thing of put up posters and big promotion. But we believe there's something significant about coming together in order simply to worship God and to meet with Him. There's something about connecting with the First Nations of this, of this nation. And the chiefs of the First Nations are coming through Myrtle Beach on October 1st and will join us. Michael is putting up a tent at the Traveller's Chapel we don't have permission yet, but permission comes on Tuesday, so just hold back on inviting too many people just yet. But the plan is to have a tent at the Traveller's Chapel where we can worship. Some of you know the Traveller's Chapel, right? It's that little tiny chapel where people go when they're desperate or people go to get married. <laughs> um, because they don't identify with a church that has anybody's particular branding or particular name on it. It's just Jesus' place. I know the guy who started that, and I know a lot of the people who are on the board of that. It's actually the 50th anniversary this year of that little chapel. So Michael feels God has told him to just invite anybody who wants to to come to the tent behind the Traveller's Chapel because the chapel itself isn't big enough. You get 10 people in there and it's full. <laughs> but we can get about 100 in a tent behind it. We're going to be gathering there each evening to worship God. There's going to be a meal served for anybody who wants a meal because these meals on wheels, of course. <laughs> And we're believing God is going to do something. Just out of the no name, no promotion, no... It's okay, that plate was cracked already. <laughs> Just throw it in the trash, it's good. <laughs> no names, no publicity, no rah-rah, no big hoo-ha. Just God and us. And whoever he wants there. Just whoever wants to come. That's what we're going to do. So... September 26th, of course, is Rosh Hashanah, the new year <laughs> on God's calendar. <laughs> October 1st, the, uh, the First Nations elders are coming through. So between those two nights, those two dates, 
going to gather at the Travellers Chapel. We'll tell you more as the time goes nearer. We're working with One Reach, the other church that we host here. Uh, just all going to work together. Nobody's going to get the headlines or anything. Just Jesus. But put it on your calendars. Come and join us when you can. You don't have to be there every night. Just put it on your calendar. So over to Mark and Jane's house. Have fun if you can. No, no pressure if you can't. But welcome this afternoon to come and join us for lunch. And then put those dates on your calendar. And then we'll see you back here Wednesday for prayer and next Sunday for our meeting. And there's an important announcement. And Tuesday, Carol and I are going to lead the, the little group. Oh, it's not this Tuesday. Oh. Okay, well, I was going to have Rhonda and I were going to do lead a soaking. But anyway, we'll... Check with me before you drive. <laughs> what time is that? 6.30? Usually? 7. Okay. Tuesday at 7. Ladies soaking. Are men invited? Maybe? Maybe not? Maybe. Okay. All right, guys. We can show up too. Yeah. Rhonda and I used to do lots of soakings in Toronto for the conferences, so... Boy, is it powerful. All right, there you go. More power available in community. Go out and live it. See you at our place. More community. Go and look at.